You are listening to the Hunting for Purpose podcast, your go-to source for unlocking your true soul purpose and unleashing it into your business. I'm your host, Coach Holly Marie, and I'm a reformed old-school business strategist turned spiritual business coach. I'm now helping you to tap into your spiritual power and build it into a business that not only changes the world, but brings you abundantly flowing money while you do it. Stay tuned for an epic show ahead and be sure to share your listening experience on Instagram, tagging me at Coach Holly Marie so I can share the love. Now, grab your crystals, light some sage, and let's get hunting for purpose. Hello, hello, beautiful listener. Welcome back to the Hunting for Purpose podcast. Today, I have a very, very special episode ahead. My beautiful, incredibly wise soul sister, Emily Mearns, is joining us for a guest episode. Say hey, Em. Hello, hello. If you have been around either of our spaces for any more than a minute, you will know that Emily and I do a lot of content together. Um, We work within each other's programs and with each other's clients. We have a very, very balanced energy. We bring energy from both sides of the spectrum. So I wanted to bring Em on to have this particular discussion on the podcast around racism from from the viewpoint in particular of what's the experience inside America where Emily is located and what's the experience inside Australia where I am located and how do we each view what the, the human and the spiritual context is for both. I know that I've been talking a lot about the Australian experience because that is my frame. That is my viewpoint. I am Australian. I do live in Australia. Um, and I've chosen to not really comment on the American happening. And I wanted to bring M's voice in as somebody who does have that perspective and does have that framework to speak from. So M, do you want to introduce yourself for anybody who doesn't know you? Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be on this episode speaking about this with you all. I am Emily Mearns. I am a biz energy coach. So I coach uh, women and people on their mindsets and energy so they can align in their businesses and really scale launch aligned businesses so they can live a fulfilled, purposeful life. And you're killer at it. Emily is amazing. (laughs) Every time I bring her into my programs, my clients are like, she's incredible. I just go, I know. I know. I feel the same way about you. Oh, thank you. I know you and I work really beautifully together because you operate so much in the consciousness. So doing all of that really kind of tangible, concrete mindset work. Um, and because I operate in the unconscious, that is so foreign to me. Like I'm always <laughs> about what's the purpose and what's the soul and what's the energy. And you're like, what's the self-talk and what's the structure? <laughs> it, creates, it creates a beautiful harmony. Um, and I just thought it would be so, I guess, eye-opening for so many people to, to bring this like combined discussion around racism and the emergence in the collective of racial oppression at the moment um i know that for both of us we we obviously had spiritual awakenings a long while ago many many years ago and we both work in the spiritual space but i know it's definitely true for me and i'm curious about for you that i felt that the emergence of this racism conversation into the collective was a deeper spiritual awakening for me. I've started referring to it as my racial awakening. Like Mm. I intellectually was very aware of racism and the inequality of it, but energetically I was not connected to it until the tragedy of George Floyd. Right. Yeah. And I can relate to that in the sense that that was very eye-opening for me specifically. And I think for the collective as well on different levels so that the way you mentioned it, that was an aspect to me. And it was also really eye-opening to biases that maybe still live inside of me that I was so unaware of. Mm. And even being aware of some history, it was really eye-opening how brainwashed maybe I felt growing up and not being so aware. And so I felt like a veil had been lifted. I was aware of some of it, like you said, along the spiritual journey. And I had awarenesses and some ideas of it, but it's definitely been a moment to stop and reflect and to see 
where can we show up and address these areas within us so that we can have that ripple effect into the outer world experience? Mm. What was that? What was that experience like for you energetically? Did you feel that that was quite um, like an intellectual experience of, Oh gosh, I'm, I'm seeing things now I'm receiving new information. Or was that a more like, um, deep empathic energetic experience? For me, it was a mix of both. It was this intellectual consciously going through it and noticing and observing the programming and the unawarenesses and having that. But then it also translated into these emotional feelings and these body feelings of really processing the deep awarenesses that was coming with where we're at and what's going on and the reality of everything. Because when you live with a veil over your eyes for some time, it's a little earth shattering when you're like, whoa, wait, here we are. This is really it. Okay. How does this sit with me? How do I feel? Yeah. Yeah. For me, there were so many similarities with the experience of my first spiritual awakening that very kind of like all consuming experience of mm. it, it flooded my mind. It flooded my consciousness. I was not able to think about anything else, see anything else, talk about anything else. I thought about it when I went to bed. I thought about it when I woke up, I thought about it every moment in between it was almost addictive. Um, but as well, I, I very much carried the energetic weight of that awakening for myself and of the energy of the collective, which is Mm -hmm. still, is still ongoing. Right. I think that that's, that's been a really, um, a very curious experience for me to see empaths over this time. I mean, I have a lot of empaths in my space because usually empaths are a little bit more spiritually awakened. Um, but you know, this empathic experience has been very, very heavy right now there's been literally hundreds of years of trauma that has emerged into consciousness so we are receiving very old anger sadness oppression trauma confusion um and that's been a very heavy weight to carry it's been incredibly tiring to carry and i think that that's been quite confronting for a lot of empaths have you have you felt that in your body as well Yeah, you know, I have. I definitely can feel that processing of all of that energy and the weight and the emotions of all of that. I feel like hearing you talk about it is really eye-opening, that all-consuming, all-encompassing. That is how I felt at the beginning of my spiritual journey, because actually Mm -hmm. when I decided to... um, go more plant-based in my diet. That was a big eye-opening for me. So I had those moments then. And I noticed that as well came back in this type of situation. Mm. Again, I felt it consuming my thoughts and I had to really work on my own mentality health because let's be honest, white people are not used to going through Mm. stuff at this level. If you're an empath, but we are not used to that. So it's okay to recognize, Hey, I'm not really, I'm not really used to this. Mm. I'm not prepared for this. So yeah, I might feel completely depleted after five days of fully being in it. But if you want this to truly be a life lasting thing that's implemented, that you're really switching the way you show up and your opinions and your awarenesses, Mm. you have to learn how to manage that, take care of yourself so that you can be strong and aware and clear headed enough to show up and keep doing it every day. Amen. Amen. That, that has been very, very challenging, I think, to, um, I guess, to the collective consciousness just of white people. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is now our burden too. This is now yes. our challenge too, um, energetically, <clears throat> sorry, and consciously. Like, this is, we are now part of this and we cannot turn away from it. And yes, it is difficult. And yes, it's challenging. And yes, it's heavy. And yes, we're definitely not used to it. But that doesn't mean that we have the right or the opportunity to turn away from this at this time. Right. Yeah. And I see a lot of people using this idea of, well, I'm so spiritually tapped in. I can see where this is going and I I can see the bigger picture. And Mm -hmm. what I want to say to that is, yeah, me too. That's great. 
I love that you can take a step back and see the bigger picture, but come back down to where you're at right now in this moment, because Mm -hmm. you are missing valuable teachings Mm -hmm. that you actually need to show up and be aware of what's going on with the racial injustice in this world and everywhere that you can actually take action because just saying, oh, well, this is all part of this, or this is all part of the bigger picture. This is why it's happening it really takes away a lot of healing that can actually be done. That's going to bring that vision that you have to light. So that's kind of a side note to anyone who feels like they're wanting to bypass this, you know, take a moment, go deeper, see how you can show up in this moment because there are learnings and teachings for your own soul to Mm -hmm. obtain right now. So good. That's so, so good. I 100% resonate with that. And I had a conversation with a really beautiful Um, spiritual friend of mine. She's also a a spiritual teacher in the online space and she was, and I think it is still continuing to actually operate in that mode of she's doing quite a lot of spiritual bypassing um, to kind of jump forward into like, I'm not going to talk about what's happening in humanity at the moment. I'm just going to talk about the spiritual messages that are coming through and call her out on that and explain to her that from my perspective, we live in duality. We live in a dual experience where we are humans in a human body, in a human world, and we are also spirit who have, you know, we are a soul. We choose to come into this human experience. We are spiritually tapped in. We are aware of energy that is is felt but not seen. And we can't choose one side of that experience over the other. I don't believe that we have the, the right to say, well, I, I live in this human body, in this human experience, but I'm going to overlook my human obligation here, especially, oh, yeah. especially in an experience like this, where we are white skin humans who are daily living with the privilege that comes from the oppression of people with darker skin. That, right. that is our human experience. That is what we live in this human body. And, and I feel that to, to dismiss that and to overlook that in, in view of saying, well, I'm just going to talk about spirituality. I, I think that it's just another way of almost like um, tapping out, like right. giving ourselves a leave pass from the right. uncomfortable human experiences. And we get this kind of loophole where we get to go, look, I'm spiritual. So, so I'm out. Yeah. I'm out of this. I'll be back in when the human experience feels comfortable again. Right. And you and I have talked about it. What kind of lesson does our soul want us to have? What learnings and teachings can we take from being in a white body? If you so desire to choose the belief that you choose who you are, why did we choose this? Right. It's because maybe being so spiritual that you are able to tap into those higher consciousness teachings, whatever, so you can spread the message. But guess Mm -hmm. what? Reality of the time that we live in, unfortunately, if we agree with it or not, the white man has power. So if you're in a white body, it's a beautiful thing to be able to use that for our brothers and sisters who cannot be heard right now. Mm -hmm. That is maybe a beautiful way to approach it spiritually and to kind of go deeper and ask, how can I do that for my brothers and sisters, right? Like Mm -hmm. going deeper, asking ourselves, do we have any biases? Where are we reserved to bringing light to these situations? All of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We I feel a very, very conveniently overlooking our, our accountability in this. We did choose to be humans in this experience. We did choose to have white skin at this time for this experience. And if we can go inwards, if we can really tap into these deeper messages during this time through that feeling of energetic chaos from the collective, from our self awakening, from all of those things, if we can burrow down, I feel and connect to the messages of our soul, allow our intuition to speak. We're going to feel a validation and, and a resonating clarity from our soul that yes, we did choose this time. And yes, we did choose to come into these bodies with white skin because there is an imbalance in this toxic masculine society that has created systemic racism. And as people with white skin, we are the ones who have the power and the ability to dismantle that system. 
and create it into a new harmonious and equal future. But I do feel that if we are to acknowledge that, that's very challenging. Yes. Because what that brings then, if we acknowledge that, if we accept that, if we sit with the truth of that, then the next immediate question is, what are you going to do about it? And there really lies the conflict, I feel. Right. Because people aren't sure what's the appropriate step to take. How do I do this? How do I line this in my life? And I think what I'm seeing a lot happening is a lot of people are getting overwhelmed. They're either dismissing it or they're getting overwhelmed and they're thinking, how do I do it all right now? And they're getting burned out. Mm -hmm. But to be able to be consistent and you can apply this to all different areas of your life is to find moments throughout your day that you can do these things to align yourself so that you can either go further into that exploration in yourself and your soul and your journey. Implementing things in your everyday life and reality is going to really set the stage so that you can have this be a lifetime lasting implementing effect. So you aren't just showing up and dipping out, getting exhausted, using excuses, wanting to avoid things that are really coming up. You can side note, use this for all areas of your life. Um, But, you know, taking that time to really do that. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I think we are seeing and feeling a lot of reactive action. You know, this like, oh my Mm -hmm. God, I've been triggered. I'm feeling really called into that. There is this sort of like explosive reaction of I must do something, just something. I must do anything to respond to this so that it can kind of like soothe my ego and, and bring me back into that state of comfort to like, yes, I felt this issue and I did something about it. But that can be quite damaging to the real need to be consistent in taking action. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering how different that experience is showing up in America versus Australia. Like in Australia where it's, it's very Australian, we're very kind of taking this view of like, mate, not our problem. Like this Mm -hmm. this is an American thing. Like the Americans are the cruel ones. The Americans are the ones who are, you know, killing a man on the street. Like, America's imploding and going crazy, but we're not so bad here. So we, we have kind of a unique experience in responding to that, but I know that things are very heightened and very intense in America at the moment. So I'd love, I'd love to hear you speak about what, what is that experience like right now? And, and, you know, overlapping that with like, you guys are still going through your first wave of COVID as well. Like what, what is that experience like for an American at the moment? Yeah, it's been really interesting because you do almost feel like you are in this uh, vortex of heightened energy because a lot of people are very much looking to America if you are outside of America and feeling like either impacted by it or kind of like you said, like I've noticed, oh, that's their thing doesn't happen here. Mm. So noticing that people and the energy is, no, this is actually global. This is worldwide. These are underlying issues. These are silent things that have crept into all different areas, but we've just haven't seen it. So the approach that I've been seeing and, and taking is really trying to look at what's going on in America and seeing how is that going on in my own backyard? How is that going on within me? Because even if you're not American, If you are born in white skin, you may have biases. If you were to come to America, you might have some type of privilege, right? So there's just things that maybe I've noticed people are overlooking. And then it's also been so fascinating having all of this happen with COVID initially. And then it seemed like a lot of the media just completely turned their attention to what was going on with the civil rights movement. And then now is slowly circling back to, oh, this might be another issue. And so it very much feels like there isn't stability Mm. yet, Mm -hmm. but it's been beautifully eye-opening to see so many people speaking up, coming together, and to just look for the underlying beauty in this. That's been a really great aspect as well. Really interesting. I think that what 
we are feeding on the other side of the world is that the media is representing a lot of division amongst America. There's a, mm. there's a lot of talk about, is this going to lead to civil war? Is this going to lead to an assassination for Trump? You know what? Mm. I mean, there's mm-hmm. really so much civil unrest and division on the streets and, you know, within homes and neighborhoods and friendships and families in America. Do you think that yeah. that's, that's truly representative or is that the media kind of filtering things to create more chaos? You know, I do truly believe that the media does like to play off chaos. Um, mm-hmm. And I can't speak fully to everyone and fully their experiences, but what I have seen is a beautiful way of people coming together that maybe never would have. When COVID first hit, I've never seen more people with their masks on, very much socially distancing, but waving to one another, spreading love and joy, going out of their way to do things for people. Now during this time, seeing people step out of their comfort zone, speak about issues and take action in ways they've never done before, have conversations with their family members and come together, going to these beautiful protests uh, to speak up. It's been beautiful to see that there is some unity although division just like you said earlier in this episode about the duality aspect like that is possibly human experience on earth is there is that yin yang that duality aspect so you will have the other end but I don't believe it's fully as the media presents it to be yeah fascinating what's what is the current state do you think with the black lives matter movement and the discussions around racism in america as it stands today have things started to dip off and disappear or do you still feel it's just as heightened and just as prevalent i feel it's still very much just as heightened and prevalent i know people are still having protests they may not be as big as they were that first week that things were happening Mm -hmm. but very much people are still being vocal they're standing on um areas with signs and there I see a lot of this in social media is Mm. still people speaking out and educating so I very much think that it is still a part of the forefront of the movement right now and people really want change you know they're seeing that this is an opportunity maybe some people will listen maybe some things will shift and start to change and they're really riding that energetic wave and beautiful to see. Have you started to see any kind of deeper systemic change in terms of like the social fabric and the social infrastructure around racism? That's a great question. I haven't yet because things that, and this is all from my own personal experience, Mm -hmm. um, but the things that I've seen, I question if it is an act to really do it if it's really happening or if it's still underlying covering up things that aren't really going to change um I wonder if that might take a little more time a little more awareness a little more pressure continued energy force on it um but not really anything yet I do feel that that's part of our frustration in this dual you know human and spiritual experience that the the human side of us you know, we kind of do have this uh, like social pattern of behavior where change is created from violence and from anger and from fury and from rage. If we look back historically over the, you know, the time of humanity, that is how we create change. And hopefully as a collective, we can mature and we can grow through that and enact change in more harmonious ways. But I think that does create this sense of frustration for us that we have this very kind of explosive behavioral response to create change. And that brings with it this inherent belief of, well, change should then happen immediately. You know, things things should change straight away. It's almost like, you know, like I got a gym membership and I ate healthily for a week and I should have lost 50 pounds. And we, we get very disheartened when that doesn't occur straight away, we lose patience, we lose engagement, we lose connection to it. Um, But when we historically look back, we actually see these things take a long time. These take many, many years to create changes, both on a micro level individually and on a macro level. I mean, even if we, we look at just the cellular structure of the human body, it takes seven years to actually overhaul all of the cells in your body. 
your body cells right. run on a seven year cycle. <laughs> so when we're, <laughs> when we're talking about, you know, like having this spiritual awakening about deconditioning, about healing our own traumas and our own wounds, we're talking about a seven year cycle as individuals, but we're expecting a global change to occur within seven days. And, and right. when we don't see that, we start to disengage because it, it seems like, oh, that challenge takes too long. That's too hard. Right. And I think right. what I really like to encourage people to do is to, to step back and get a bit of perspective on that and mm-hmm. say, how committed are we really to recreating this new social paradigm? And how willing are we to put sustained energy and focus into that? Are, are we choosing to be only reactive to this? Or are we choosing really to be spiritual activists and people right. who, who take an integral role on the dismantling of these old social structures and the recreation of new ones? Because this is a marathon. This is a long yep. game. And certainly from my perspective, whether we choose to engage with it or not, it's going to happen. This, right. This is a, this and, is a steam train. Like this is moving, honey. This is going. Exactly. So and like, you oh, know, I'm, we're on. Yeah. We're on, girlfriend. <laughs> we know they're on too. Um, but that you said it so perfectly because just like you said on a micro level, bring it back to yourself. Mm. I want to question, how do you believe it's going to be? What are your beliefs around it? Maybe can we challenge the fact that things take quote unquote so long because the conscious collective believes it has to be so long. Mm. Is it hard to have change only through struggle and strife because we all believe it to be so Mm. deeper Mm. level here go ask yourself, what are my beliefs and, and do it in your life. If you have goals that you're trying to achieve right now, do you believe it's going to take a long time? Do you believe it's going to be hard? And then translate that directly to what we're talking about here in this podcast episode, put that energy towards, I envision it being quicker change than it's ever been before, right? Using Mm -hmm. our own manifesting power to change our beliefs. So that can reflect in this outer world that we experience. I am interrupting your podcast listening for just one moment to let you know about a really important new product available on my shop front. The Do The Inner Work Bundle is a completely downloadable digital bundle that includes a hypnosis, a guided meditation, EFT tapping, affirmations, and more to help you begin doing the inner work around deconditioning your own racial bias. With all that is emerging in our global collective right now, we must be vigilant in doing our own inner work, in conditioning our own racial bias as white people in this beautiful wide collective. Because when we do the inner work, we are able to do the outer activism. The Do The Inner Work bundle is available for $9 and every single cent of that $9 is going towards Indigenous advocacy groups here in Australia. We must be putting our money where our mouth is and starting to support the agencies that are trying to bring about this radical change for equality in our new paradigm. Head to the link that is listed here in the show notes so that you can get your hands on the Do The Inner Work bundle. Make sure you take a screenshot and you tag me, share it on Instagram so that we can spread the word, bring more inner work and more deconditioning to make this truly equal new world paradigm that we are all hoping for. This is so good. This is so good. I know that you and I recently had a conversation around this for me as a a manifester in my human design energy type, you know, I'm, I'm programmed and energetically designed to shift negative energy on a collective level and to bring in new energy and um, part of my conditioning. And I guess like my Achilles heel in that process is that, when there is no overt resistance, I feel that there's nothing to push against and therefore I stop manifesting. And, mm-hmm. and what this collective experience has been teaching me is that now that there is less resistance, now that there is less kind of um, pressure coming in on you and we're getting into these quieter waters of this global change, am I still willing to keep putting my energy into manifesting it? 
Am I still willing to continue to reframe my mindset and my self-talk into believing, yes, this can be easy. Yes, this can be fast. Yes, this is worthwhile. Am I willing to keep pushing myself and swimming through those waters, even when there's not all of that noise and chaos around me? Um, And I think that that's challenging for every human design type. You know, if if we don't have this sort of uh, like pressure on us, to go through that, that fire of change, then are we willing to be accountable for putting ourselves forward and saying, even though there's no pressure to keep doing this anymore, I'm going to keep showing up for it. I'm going right. to keep manifesting this. I'm going to keep being part of this change. It's like my favorite quote, do the right thing even when no one's looking, but you mm-hmm. just translate that to keep being determined even when no one's looking, right? It's taking us back to the core concept that since day one, being bored on human you know earth here we have been taught to look outside of ourselves we've never been taught or trained to look within to ourselves for that recognition to be our own cheerleader to tell us we can do it Mm. so when there's not that outside pressure force excitement whatever it is keeping us going it's super easy to say oh nah gonna go back gonna find something else gonna go where that energy is so I can feel like rah rah I'm part of it now right Right. so maybe it's a deep collective learning of like how do we show up for ourselves for things that matter to us and not look outside of ourselves anymore for those answers it's it's almost like a very limited conditioning from the instant gratification that we're so used yes. to, right? Yeah. <laughs> Where the, we, we teach our children now to not expect instant gratification. Yet as adults, that's that's what we still expect. Like, oh, right. I'm, I'm down for global change, but only if it happens within a week. <laughs> like, I need it by summertime or I'm out. <laughs> exactly. <Totally> exactly. <laughs> that's such a good point. Um, I know that in Australia and, you know, people who've been following my social media will know a lot of this because I've been speaking about it quite a bit but the Australian experience is unique and it's different from the American experience right now as is the experience of many other countries I mean um, I have a a client in New Zealand who who also has a very unique experience of this I think Mm. interestingly what she was representing is that while Australia is doing this kind of comparative justification of saying this is America's problem not Australia's problem because America is more racist than us New Zealand is also doing that to Australia and saying uh-huh. it's not New Zealand's problem, it's Australia's problem because Australia is more racist than New Zealand. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was really eye-opening that we yeah. do as nations, you know, as, and as national identities, we have this very like, oh, no, if I compare myself to another country in the world, then I can wiggle my way out of this particular mm-hmm. issue. But, right. But we all know this is global, just like coronavirus. Ooh, and can we take that deeper to like on a human level of comparing and all of that? And this is actually more global. This is consciousness. This is one race. This is humanity. Correct. Because let's be real, racism is not new. And even no. the horrific death of George Floyd is not new. That's not new. That's that's been occurring for a long time. In fact, it's been filmed before. It's been put on the internet before. Mm-hmm. And for any Australian listening, my sweet Aussie friends know that's not an American occurrence. The same thing has been occurring on film, on the internet, in Australia. Mm-hmm. So I think that what's really been happening is that we have collectively been asleep to all of this. Yes. And, and somehow in ways that I don't yet understand, the collective consciousness got to the point of being awake enough so that the death of George Floyd became a catalyst for this change. You know, I think we really need to be in recognition of that. It's not that things have gotten so much worse. It's just that we we woke the hell up to how bad things are. Yeah, we got, we're so much more ready now. Absolutely. And in Australia, I think that un- unfortunately, and this is quite a frustration of mine, unfortunately, we're a few steps behind in the conversation. You know, yeah. we, there is still probably, I mean, at a guess, maybe 15 to 20% of the population in Australia who are talking about this and who mm. are really taking this on board. The large and vast mm-hmm. majority is still saying, oh gosh, no, I, you know, either, yeah, racism exists in Australia, but it's not that bad. 
which mm-hmm. is, that's dangerous. That's a very dangerous position to right. hold. Um, yeah. and, I, and I admit I held that position for a long time too. So I take accountability and responsibility for that. But additionally, there are groups of people who are saying like, we don't have racism at all because, you know, in our history here in Australia, we, it's different to America. We didn't pick up um, African slaves off the shores of their country and, and mm-hmm. bring them in. We, right. we took over a nation that already had custodians. We, right. this land, <laughs> this Australian land held the oldest living indigenous culture in the world. So the custodians yeah. of this land, the indigenous people, the Aboriginal culture, and, and there's thousands of different mobs within the, the indigenous culture. They, they were put into slavery. They were murdered, but it didn't stop there. We, we still have the Terranalis written into our constitution, which says this was a very British empire thing. The Terranalis, which stated when Captain Cook, who was the explorer that found the Australian land, it's mm-hmm. noted in the Terranalis in the constitution that the land was uninhabited. And so then wow. it was available for taking. That is still part of our constitutional law. Mm-hmm. Wow. And this is the intellectual knowledge that Australians are aware of, but are turning a blind eye to like, Oh, well that happened hundreds of years ago. So it's not relevant. Like actually that's still very relevant. It's very, very relevant because the the original custodians of our land are still here in our land. We've just, we've taken everything away from them and we still hold on to a piece of paper that says, ah, you were never here. So we're looking at this reality of, oh, I've got Indigenous brothers and sisters that are very much still here, while also putting stock in a piece of paper that said you never existed. And up until, up until the 1970s, in fact, Indigenous people in Australia were not classified as human. They were classified as flora and fauna. Unreal. So we are only 50 years past the point <laughs> of classifying them as human. Only 50 years baffling in Australia. Our, our history <sighs> is still very new. It's only, yeah. two, it's only a 200 year history. We still, we have people, indigenous people that still are living. were in slavery. We, wow. we have indigenous people who are part of what we know as the stolen generation where British people took Aboriginal children from their families and either put them into slavery or if they were pale skinned, they rehomed them with white families and taught them Mm. to be white. Ridiculous. Wow. The stolen generation is still very, very much present. And uh, one of the people that I've been speaking to a beautiful young woman, her mother was a stolen generation. Mm. So this, this is still very new in the Australian collective consciousness. And, and this is the stuff that we over here need to be awakened to. And that's, that's been my work. That's where I've really found that I've been called as an Australian voice to say, okay, if we're a few steps behind in this conversation, what can I do to bring that awakening to this conversation? Because we need to stop viewing this as America's problem. We need to stop saying racism is so much worse everywhere else everywhere else we need to start shouldering that burden and saying actually in our nation racism is some of the cruelest racial histories in the world right actually is incredibly racist and has not progressed um and interestingly martin luther king's son visited australia about five years ago and made, made a statement to the press saying he was in really disheartened to visit Australia because there has been zero progression in racial equality in Australia in mm. the last 30 years. Wow. And he's right. He's yeah. Right. Yeah. We've, and we've had, we've had a she'll be right attitude and it's not right, mate. <laughs> it's not right. No, not at all. And, and hearing you explain that is a little eye opening because it seems really triggering because maybe it hasn't been that long. Right. So there's very easy ways for this ego and everyone there to feel, Oh, just avoid, just avoid. And there's only, like you said, a small amount of people talking about it. It's very much easy to ignore in America. 
I'm curious what that underlying shift is. Was it the mm. fact that this had been going on for so long? Was it the way that it all had started? How just crazy it is. And yeah. then that there was so many people because I wonder if this wasn't such a big energetic kind of uprising, would there still be more people sitting on the sidelines? Like I'm happy that a lot of people felt the need to, to join in and open their minds and have these conversations more so than ever before. But it's very eye-opening to just see the differences of the countries and that it still is the same thing. It mm. just looks different, but it's the same thing. Happening. Absolutely. Yeah. I had a, a conversation with my parents about this last night. I've been actively seeking to have as many conversations as I can with people, which I'm sure everyone's and, frustrating. <laughs> but, yes, but you are a um, manifester. You exactly. must inform. This is what I am actually here to do. So get uncomfortable <laughs> people. It's going to keep happening. Um, and you know, my dad was, you know, he's a traditional white Australian male. He's actually British. My father, I'm first generation Australian. So that, that has its own unique experience. Um, and you know, my father has really progressively changed his opinion over our conversations over the last month or so, which is really heartening and, and validating to see. But we got to the point in the conversation last night where he was saying, look, you know, I, I see that this conversation needs to happen. I see that, you know, judging people by the color of their skin is a really terrible thing and just makes no sense and should never have happened. But why should we let the death of a black man in America affect the conversation here in Australia? Why should we let that be the catalyst for the conversation mm. here in Australia? Which I think is a very valid point. And one that right. needs discussion because that was in fact the response of our national leader, our prime minister said, mm, um, he publicly came, yeah, right. He publicly came out and said, you know, it's terrible. It's tragic. The death of George Floyd, but we must ensure that American issues do not become Australian issues, which another way to keep the blinders on. <laughs> Correct. I mean, I, I think from a spiritual perspective, I go, wow, okay, you're not awake yet to this. Yes. And, and I find that frustrating as an Australian, but I, if I can be a little bit more critical about it and um, intellectual about it, I can see that that is representative of a lot of the views of, of right. Australians. This whole, it seems like a very valid argument. Why should the death of a man on the streets of America create a conversation here in Australia. And, and I would love to take that further because I think that it's such a good question. Why, yeah. why is that? But it's not maybe the actual act of what happened. It's the underlying issue. It's the fact that people aren't being treated the same, Correct. right? It's just Correct. the really most simplest simplest things and that's when you ask is that going on here in our own backyard too yeah yeah, yeah. it I, is exactly exactly I think you know my my response to that is that if if this is the catalyst that we are being offered if the catalyst is that something horrific occurred on the other side of the world and that allows us to have a conversation about it and to begin that process here then we should take it. That's an open right. doorway and we should walk through it because I feel that the only other alternative in Australia is that we sit on our hands and we wait until an experience like that occurs on our streets and gets filmed. Let's be honest, it's already happening on our streets. I was going to say. But that it gets filmed by hundreds of people and put on the internet and goes viral and then we have the conversation about it. I, exactly. I, would, I would prefer that we, we don't allow another horrific death of an Indigenous person to occur before we have this conversation. Correct. I, I, we, don't need, we don't need more death to create. This. No, we don't need to keep growing through pain. We mm. can grow through love, through mm -hmm. encouragement, through uplift. We can learn better. I mean, I don't know about anyone listening, but when you were a child, if you were scrutinized and put down for something you did, you most likely didn't hear the lesson that that adult was probably trying to tell you, but if they approach it in a loving way with a calmer tone and maybe different words that you were actually understanding and listening, there would be a deeper seated rooted change within. Mm -hmm. And this is hopefully the maturing of the conscious collective that yes. we can, we can receive these messages with love and, and with that kind of gentle expansive openness rather than tragedy 
and death and fury and violence. I think our, our people of colour, our Indigenous brothers and sisters, have suffered enough. Surely yes. they, have, they have taken the burden of dying enough times for us to, to begin changing that. I don't, I don't see why we need to allow any more of that to occur. Even, even in Australia, we've had 437 Indigenous deaths in police custody mm. at, the, at the hands of police officers since the Royal Commission in 1991. So we held a Royal Commission into this. We, yeah. we discovered that this was already happening. No changes were made. And since then, 437 more Indigenous people have died at the hands of police. That is 437 too many. Correct. 437 deaths that already could have sparked the conversation. Yeah. Right. So let's not make that 438. I don't, no. I don't think we need to make any more. <laughs> There's 437 <laughs> reasons to have this conversation in our nation. Yes. <laughs> and and, and it's to here. wake the hell up. We gotta wake Let's the hell start up. talking about it, yeah. right? Yeah. I always notice there's two different types of people too. There's people that go through life and they have to literally experience things to mm-hmm. get the lesson. There's mm-hmm. other people that I've observed that can read it in a book and they can actually internalize that within. So maybe that's a lesson that can be taken of even though if you're not in America and it is not happening to you and you don't feel that surge of energy where you're at, can mm-hmm. you be the person to take that learning within and create the change and still feel motivated to stand up, right? Can we, can we train ourselves to not only operate and work in the way that it has to happen to me, Mm. heighten our minds and our intellect and our, and our spiritual expansion to be able to see, oh, when somebody does something like that and that is a bad act, I can understand that and take that in. I don't have to actually go through and do the bad act to feel that. Mm, such a good point. And that information about how we learn can be found in our human design charts. If you, yes. if you get your human design chart and you look at your profile, it will be one number slash another number. The first number indicates how you learn. The second number indicates how you teach. I know that for myself, I'm a, I'm a four, six. And so how I learn is asking questions and being open to learning the responses. How I teach Mm. is that I have that personal experience and I model it for other people to be part of. I think that that's incredibly important to take responsibility for. How do we, how do we learn? How do we learn? You know, are are you somebody like me that needs to ask questions? Are you somebody that needs to be more in isolation, reading books? Are you somebody that learns by listening? Do you need to be listening to podcasts, watching documentaries, all of these things? We we have a plethora of resources available to make yourself aware of it (laughs) and and to to be, you know, a party in this experience. But we, we also have the responsibility to understand how we learn and to actively engage in doing that learning rather than saying, look, this is just too overwhelming. There's too much stuff. So, so yes. I'm, out. I'm out until this is a little easier to digest. Mm-hmm. Approach it, be able to consistently implement it in your life, take out little chunks by chunks. Each little bit adds up, it adds up, it adds up until it's full and then it starts to overflow. Yeah, absolutely. Before we go, I would really love to know, Em, and I mean, I already know this, so this is really for the purpose of all of the listeners, but <laughs> what, what action are you taking? I think this is a question that we all need to be consistently asking one another now in a very loving way. What, what action are you personally taking to be part of this global awakening and this global movement towards racial equality? That is such a good question. And there's so many things to do. And there's um, so many areas I'm actually focusing this in my life. So personally and, and spiritually, internally, I'm constantly using um, the tool of awareness every single day in every decision. And I'm filtering it through any biases I may have. And I'm trying to disconnect and be aware and observe with no judgment, full love, what is there to allow the process uh, to dissipate that, to work through that, to get it through. So I'm doing that personal stuff. I'm also having conversations with family members, friends, people that I have in my life to really ensure that we are on the same page and that I'm speaking out about things now. I thought that being anti-racist was 
just by feeling that I didn't realize it's actually the act of being active, speaking yeah. out, doing yeah. things, informing, letting people know. And, and so I'm also an elementary school teacher. I did this avoidance in the way that I knew Thanksgiving was, was messed up. Right. But I would avoid it. I just wouldn't teach the children what the truth is. So I'm now re framing how I show up as an educator and how I can actually educate children on the real history of America and to be in adding more diversity, inclusivity into the classroom. I'm also doing this in my business with who I hire, who I work with, uh, providing scholarships, extended payments. Like I'm really taking a lens into every aspect of my life and asking how can I really show up more active and aligned Mm. so that I can help bring more change. That's so beautiful. I know you've also been doing takeovers on your social media as well. Right? Yeah. Mm, yeah. It's been really awesome. Yeah. I give my social media over every Tuesday uh, for black women of color, indigenous, and really for any heart centered businesswoman who would love to use the platform to spread awareness, because that is my goal is to bring more healing to humanity. So if mm. I can provide my platform for more people to come, then absolutely. Yeah. And I wanted to, I want to thank you between the two of us for all of that work that you do, because, um, it's really encouraging and it's really supportive to me to see somebody who's so closely in my space, even though we're across the other side of the world, we have very close energy, um, to see that you are consistently committed to this, that you are continuing to do the inner work, the outer work, the structural work that really, that encourages me to keep going. So thank you for that. I, I think that the more that we do that for each other, the more we re, reweave the fabric of society. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We're not alone. We're not in isolation. We can support each other to do this. Yes, absolutely. Reach out to people who are like-minded and vibing with you and get that support and use each other because I feel the same way when I see you speaking out. I'm still working on activating this throat chakra, but you encourage me as well to do what I'm doing. So it goes both ways and I'm grateful for you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Obviously my action has been a little bit different as individuals. We're all going to have different journeys of taking action. Um, I, in my inner work, I'm doing a lot of deconditioning, like really active deconditioning of bias. It's, it's been so challenging to reach kind of these new layers of deconditioning around thoughts, feelings, and beliefs I have about indigenous people to feel the shame and the guilt of that. And then to allow that to release and create a new conditioning. I've also been working through the ancestral energy and ancestral stories. I I do come from two lines of British family, British heritage. um, And that plays its part. I do come from a family of, of wider racial bias. <laughs> the, mm-hmm. British, the British empire is responsible for a lot of the, the origin of this racial oppression. So that, that is part of it too, processing a lot of the energy and stories of my ancestors, both living and not living. Um, I have been doing a lot of intellectual re-educating of myself. It's, it's very important to me that I relearn indigenous history here in this nation and in other nations. So I've been really digging documentaries. So getting mm-hmm. into documentaries. <laughs> like, um, some amazing ones from the States, uh, 13th. That's a really, really yes. great documentary. In Australia, I've been watching White Australians and Marbo. They're, they're also incredible documentaries. Um, there is a new documentary coming out called The Bowerville Murders, which is from all of the trailers, looks incredible. So I'm definitely down for watching that. Um, I've been reading White Fragility, which again has been challenging, really challenging mm-hmm. my own white fragility and my own white privilege and <laughs> taking my time with that and allowing it to sit with me and really to integrate and, and be part of changing the way that I view things and feel things. And on a more outward level, I have been, been very specific and deliberate in choosing to have conversations with people. You know, actually bringing up the topic. I deliberately bring yeah. up the topic wherever I'm going, whether that's with my parents, whether it's with my husband, Jeff, whether it's 
um, when I'm doing boot camp. Man, the people I do boot camp with is probably so over me talking about this. <laughs> um, you know, I'm doing it. I'm doing it at cafes. Like with, when I'm ordering my coffee, I'm doing it with friends. I I think that for me, I do have um, a defined throat. I do I do have activated throat and the ability to be very magnetic with my voice and having conversation is is really part of my design for how how I bring my part to this collective experience I do need to be having conversation I do need to be speaking it can't just be about learning so I've also been having very specific conversations with my kids and I love that you were talking Em about you know that role for you as an elementary teacher and, and yeah. we're not overlooking those historical facts that are not facts, you know, the right. misguided history that we've been taught. Um, I'm doing the same thing with my kids. We, you know, in Australia, we celebrate Australia Day, which is actually the day of invasion. It's the day that mm. Captain Cook took over the lands of Australia. So educating my kids around that. Um, we've just had reconciliation week and NIDOC week here in Australia, which are both like government sanctioned weeks of recognition for what happened to the indigenous people. So really talking my kids through that. We've been doing a lot of brainstorming sessions, which is so cool. Like letting my kids have the space to discuss like, well, what can we do? What action can we take? And where can we take that? Like they've come up with the most incredible ideas. Like, my daughter wants to create, she's nine and she wants to create anti-racism posters and put them up all over the neighborhood so that people are aware of this. You know, my, my eldest son is 11 and he wants to have conversations with his teachers so that we can talk about indigenous people every day at school. Um, I love that. Yeah. I, you know, it's these out of the mouths of babes. Hey, like, right. They Children have this, are incredible. They are. They have this very pure, um, confident, unadulterated way of looking at these things. And so it's really important for me as a mother to allow them that space and, and to yeah. encourage them to take action on that. Um, additionally, of course, my business is, is a big vehicle for this. I, I have been afforded my platform largely because I'm white and because I'm privileged and I'm a white woman and people listen to what I say. So I'm taking advantage of that. And I've, I've been creating a, a much longer term project called sharing indigenous voices where I am gathering indigenous voices from so many different arenas, people who are advocates and activists, people who work in government, people who are business owners. I've got community elders, um, people who are artists, people who are indigenous parents really coming together to share their stories, to share their voices I'm, I'm allowing them free slate really to choose how they want to bring that content across. So there's going to be um, podcasts and videos. We've got a live Q and a there's written posts and that's, that's been a very long experience. It feels slow to me because yeah. I'm used to moving things at a particular speed and there's <laughs> been a lesson in that, but it's been so humbling, so, so humbling. And, the thing that I want people to know about that content before it starts coming out is that for every Indigenous person that I've spoken to, there's been a unanimous, like a universal thread through all of these conversations where they have all said, we, we want to move forward together. We, mm. want to, we want to do this with you. We believe in empathy. We believe in love. We believe in human connection. We forgive you. We don't want to hold you accountable for what your ancestors did. We just want you to listen and we just want you to hold our hands and we just want to go forward into this better society together. And yeah, we, we need to be open to hearing those things. You know, that's, that's been healing for me to receive that and, and to just feel that and to accept that and say, okay, I take, I take my part in the partnership. I will, I will move forward together with you. Um, even though I'm certain that I'll screw it up. But like, we, we move forward together. So for me, that, that's a much longer term project. It's, we are also looking at doing the same kind of thing as you and, and doing a regular takeover of content. But um, I'm still navigating, like, how do I fuse my business together with, with this spiritual activism? And, and what does that look like? And just giving myself the space and the time. Right. Give yourself 
the grace and, and the freedom to uh, figure it out because you don't need to have the answers today or yesterday. And I think as long as we can go into it knowing, you know what, I'm going to do what feels aligned right now. And I'm going to put that into action and giving myself that uh, space to grow and add more and different aspects mm. in your business so that it continues to stay aligned. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I want to encourage anybody listening who is in the business space to give yourself that time, give yourself that space. We don't need the answers overnight. For some of us, this will be a complete overhaul of the way that we do business. For, for other people, this is just going to be a slight, a slight interweave, a slight shift. But we each owe this issue and this energetic awakening the time and the space. Yeah to really be infused into the way that we move forward because this is us moving forward. This is how we do it. You know, let's, let's be honoring of that. Let's be honoring of this new paradigm that we're moving into together. Yes. Couldn't have said it better myself. (laughs) I love it. Of course. Of course. Well, thank you so much, my beautiful friend for joining me for this conversation. I cannot thank you enough for your wisdom for your, um, your calls to action, for your insights, and just for your authenticity in representing what this experience has been like for you and how you're moving forward with it. Um, people can catch you. I'm pretty sure your handle is Emily underscore Merns, right? On Instagram? Yes. Yes, yes. I got it. <laughs> so people can catch you there. I know you also have a Facebook group. You also have a podcast of your own. So Please, 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 friends, be ensuring that you are filling your space with people who are continuing to have this conversation in a very open, transparent, authentic, um, integrity-filled way. Yes, 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 yes. And thank you so much for having me. (laughs) You're so welcome. Thank you for listening to this episode of Hunting for Purpose. If you love this episode, don't forget to take a photo or a screenshot Jump on over to Instagram and tag me at Coach Holly Marie on your stories or your posts so that I can share the excitement with you. We will definitely be meeting again on the next episode, but until then, keep hunting for your purpose, babe.